so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Stoller, Stoller Parent Coaching. And again, today I'm talking with my team members about lovingly setting limits. So I'm going to turn it over to Ben and Jessalyn so that we can start this conversation and feel like you're in the room with us. We Hi. are so glad you're here. Hi. Oh, great Hi, to be Cheryl. With you. Thanks Hi. so much for having us on today. It's wonderful for you to be here. Thank you. So today we're going to be kind of continuing a series. Last week we were talking about lovingly setting and holding limits, and we're going to continue on that topic and dig a little deeper. So before we start that, could you give us a quick recap of kind of what we talked about last week? Sure. It was helping us to prioritize with love, knowing that we're creating limits because we love the child, because we love ourselves because we are taking care of each part of us. So when we're creating, like this is limit A, B, and C, where A is non-negotiables, it's because we love you. We, we love you. I love you, my child. And as a result, no, I'm not going to let you be in this car without a seatbelt was the example I used. Plan A is the way of setting limits that are non-negotiable because we love somebody. And they're so sure in our hearts and minds that, that this is an absolute cement limit. We would even call in outside resources to help us hold that limit. The C limits are the ones that we can let go of for now, that by doing so, we're creating space and time for more joy and, and frivolity and love and a, a downtime and contentment without pressure. And everything else in between are the ones that are negotiable, the plan Bs, the bucket Bs. So that was, those terminologies are based on the work of Dr. Ross Green with Collaborative Problem Solving. and. I'm going to continue with that today to more, go into more depth with plan B. Yeah. So could you give us a, we want to go into detail over plan B. So could you explain, you know, your take on plan B um, or maybe even how um, Ross Green talks about it and then, you know, your interpretation of how to apply that. That would be awesome. Sure. It is founded on the understanding that kids do well when they can. And that it's a matter of unmet needs and lack of skill. So it's skill, not will, that we can address. It's meeting the need for relationship. It's understanding that what we know both by observation over, over hundreds and hundreds of years, that how we learn is through relationship. And now we have the neuroscience and watching the activity of the brain that tells us that in fact, the way we learn is being out of the reactive mode in the relational brain that allows us access to the full power of our reasoning brain. So it's reactive to relational to reasoning brain in that order. So this process of collaborative problem solving uses that to help build skills that these kids lack that lead to their behaviors in the first place. For example, the rigidity, their being in their reactive mode of fight, flight, or freeze because their system has told them, danger, danger, don't do this, 
it's not meeting our needs. So that's, that's sort of like a few of the examples of the principles. That's, that's awesome. So I'm really curious, um, you know, how, how would a parent apply this? Or like, could you give a few examples of what, you know, so A would be, as you said, like the seatbelt, like, okay, you have to wear a seatbelt. This is a safety issue. Like this needs to be done. But let's go to the B topic. So like, what is an example of a situation that you like to use or that you can think of that helps um, a parent who's listening understand, you know, how to apply this? Do you have any ideas? Well, one example is transition out of screen time use. Screens are so prevalent and sometimes getting out in the morning, um, a way to keep a child engaged. I mean, there there's so many times that we use screens as our go-to activity. And transitioning out of a screen time, by definition, is difficult. And when we're trying to get out of the door in the morning, um, whether it's on screens or, or otherwise, the idea is to meet them where they are. Help them feel you seeing that they're in the middle of something. I mean, on the uh, an unlikely situation that they're doing nothing, even them sitting there doing nothing, they're doing something inside of their brains, inside of their system. So our acknowledging that they're in the middle of something in every moment, and we help them know that we see that they're in the middle of something. Like, wow, you're really engrossed in this, whatever it is. Let's use um, TV and there's a certain show that's on. Well, we say, wow, I see why that's so exciting. So-and-so is doing such and such. That's really kind of hard to walk away from. What, what do you think is going to happen and do next? And then you start the engagement by meeting them there and saying, you know what, let's, let's talk about that as we go. And you gently lead them with your energy, with your focus to where, what we're doing next. There's food on the table or there's um, the car is um, in the driveway. Tell, tell me more. What do you, what, is it that you're looking forward to? Or if they're playing with a toy, our um, saying, it will still be here when you get back. I'm not going to destroy the creation you've made. You know what? It's going to stay here. When you get home, it will still be here. So meeting them where they are so that we can help transition them and help them feel us relating to them so that we can come up with those creative solutions that enable them to make the transition. I could imagine being a parent and going like, you've got a thousand things. You're going to, you got to go shopping. You got a doctor's appointment, you got all these different things. So you're coming from a totally different angle. Right. And then you have to like, it's a pro you have to really work on yourself. Exactly. Take a step back and go, all right, this child's in a completely different place than I am. Cause I'm on my to-do list or whatever I'm doing. And now I need to, it's almost like, an internal transition if i don't exactly that, oh that is, is, that, such is that a good a way to put term. it I'm, okay I'm, I'm gonna steal that from you okay great sounds good sounds <laughs> i've good. been i've been using the term uh cleaning your internal landscape but there you I go love the internal transition it's an internal transition oh, from your beautiful. world to their world you need to make exactly to actually interact with them appropriately instead of just forcing your 
um, way of life agenda. or whatever, your, right. your agenda, there you go, onto them. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Oh, like, that was so beautifully said. Elaborate yeah. on that because you talk about that a lot and um, I, I'm I, glad there's a, a, a term for it now that you like or whatever. But, I really like but this. Tell us more about that. So the, the, the meeting of the people where they are, we first have to meet ourselves where we are. As you just explained so beautifully, it's like we have all these agenda items that we have shopping to do and we've got places to be and we've got commitments that we've made. And inside, we meet ourselves where we are acknowledging, you know, it's no wonder that, that we're hyped and we just want the child to do what we want them to do when we want them to do it. It's so understandable, giving ourselves that compassion and having confidence in ourselves that, you know what? I can do this. I can figure out how to help myself clean my energy of all my pressures so that for the moment I can meet them to help make this as smooth a transition as is possible. So our being inside of ourselves with that loving compassion, understanding where we are, we are giving ourselves the um, TLC that the, the tantruming inside part of us is needing, the pressured part of us is needing so that we can be fully present to the child because when we're not fully present to the child when we meet them, they know it. And unconsciously, subconsciously, their system has to go on alert, on high alert, danger, danger. They're not seeing me, danger. I've got to, I've got to protect my boundaries. So when we clean our system, we optimize they're not resisting. What the collaborative problem solving is based on is this understanding that relationship, relationship, relationship is huge. And we first have to do that cleaning of our relationship with ourselves, saying, I've got your back. I'm not abandoning myself. I'll, I'll get to this. I'll take care of us. And for this moment, the best way to take care of us is to get clean so that I can optimize how I take care of this child. So could you elaborate a little bit more on what the process is of cleaning your internal landscape or how you do that so you can meet the child where they are and do that internal transition and help pull them out of what they're doing into what needs to be done? What's the process that goes on within yourself as that first step? Okay, so I call it the ABCs. A for awareness, be fully aware of, oh, I notice my shoulders just went up to my neck or my jaw tightened or whatever. There's a term called first feelings fingerprint. The first place in your body that you notice your, your survival mode, your reactive brain has kicked in. Think aware of that so that we can then use it as a, as a cue to say, okay, body, you're telling me a message, you're giving me a message. I'm gonna now use my body to help myself um, discharge that energy. I'm doing a whole lot of movements while I'm talking that nobody can see, but the cross midline movements. They're fun though. People can imagine. Is it, you know, can they imagine? You can, okay. So imagine that you're pretending you're stretching out your arms in front of you with your 
the tops of your hands facing each other, the palms out, and now cross them and clasp your own hands and swing your hands down through that, whole, that space between your heart and your arms and rest your, your hands on, on your heart. We're totally doing that right here. We are totally doing We're following instructions. We're following instructions. Wonderful. That's great. I hope everybody is who's listening to this. And that process forced our brain to talk. The two sides of it had to talk to each other. The body had to talk to the the non-reactive. So that... I'll make a caveat. Unless you're driving, please don't do that if you're driving. (laughs) Keep your hands on the wheel if you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, so yes, when you're safe, (laughs) do these cross midline movements and that enlisting the body to help us step out of reactivity into compassion. So the C is compassion. So the A is the awareness, B is body, and C is compassion. And there's a, a... a woman named Susie Lula, whose script I particularly like. There are lots of different scripts for compassion. There's um, very much universal ones, and there's the Kristen Neff. But the one I use is Susie Lula. I found it to be the most helpful for me, and it's thank you. Helping myself give gratitude to that part of me that's sending me those signals of danger, danger. You're, you're not taking care of your own self that tightening. Thank you. It's really so understandable that that's what's going on for me. I am here for me. What do we need? Now I go into more detail in various places in terms of the different parts, talking to different parts of ourselves, but the, the, the four step process and the phrases can be as simple as simply saying them because the part that's tantruming and, and tightening our shoulders and putting us on high alert, it's saying, I need to be seen. I need to know that you're, that you're hearing me. And when we say thank you, yes, I hear you. It's so understandable. I'm here for you. What do we need? And while I might not be able to get to it right now, I am going to. I have not forgotten. I'm not pushing you aside. But right now, we help ourselves best by taking care of the child. Do you think that's enough for now? Because it is, it is not an easy process to make it happen, like just with a snap of the fingers. However, it is powerful. And if you allow yourself to um, give yourself practice arenas to do it in, you might find that it comes a little more easily than you think. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful tool, um, not just as a parent, just as a person of, you know, working through those ABCs and taking yourself through that process and pulling yourself out of that reactive mode and back into that relational mode. Um, So I feel like that's very helpful just for anybody, really. Um, So now that we understand that process a little better, could you talk a little more about now that you've done that, you've cleaned out your internal landscape, you've pulled yourself out of reactive, then what's next in this collaborative problem solving? That's wonderful. The, the process that's next is to 
use neutral language. And what I mean by that is I notice. I notice whatever the situation is. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is actually, as I say that, I notice that getting out of bed and doing the morning routine is not happening easily for you in the morning. So that factual statement is neutral, it's not charged, it's, it's not immediately turning on the reactive mode. So I want to understand what's going on for you. So that I notice is, is the neutral facts, and the next step is the empathize. We want to get at the child's concern first to such a degree that the child says, yes, now you get it. Yes, that's the problem. So before we even try to say what our concern is, we want to totally help the reactive mode be totally open. Yes, I'm seen, heard, understood, accepted, unbelieved. Then we can ask, say, are you ready to hear what my concern is? And when they are, and that they can play that back, then you're ready for the third phase, which is problem solving. And in that process of neutral facts, empathizing, sharing, and problem solving, we are building the skills that they lacked in the first place. We are building the relational, how you talk and meet the other person, how you share what's going on for you, how you ask what's going on for the other person. And that builds the flexibility that many of these kids don't have. Many of these kids also don't have the language skills, especially while they're in the middle of a reaction because the reactive brain literally sends all, a lot of the blood to all the gross motor parts of our system so that we can, we can run or we can flight um, or we should completely shut down in the freeze. And there's also the, an, another F, but we won't go into that. Um, so that, so that, that's an overview. The neutral facts, empathize, share, problem solve. That's awesome. Um, I'm you got so many thoughts going on in my head and I'm just, you know, none of that would have to back to your earlier point. None of that would happen unless you came and I'm going to use my own language here with that internal transition you took to put yourself in a place to walk the child through that process. Right. And, and then what comes to mind is it's not only problem solving for the moment between you and that child, but you're actually teaching that child how to interact with the world, you know, when, how to develop those skills um, on a bigger scale. Is absolutely. that, are you with me? On, do, you, do you think I'm on with that or? Absolutely on with that. Yeah. And um, the, the skills are huge. There's the flexibility, the language processing and relating to people. That is all part of what happens when we're doing the, the collaborative problem solving. There's, an I tend to like silly acronyms, and this one so actually- So do we, they're fine, go <laughs> for it. Um, 
what the skills are, a way of remembering, you know, this child is clearly having a difficulty with some skills. What are they? Having our radar out for what is it that's, that he he's doesn't know or she doesn't know how to do yet. Uh, and the acronym is LACES, L-A-C-E-S. L for language and communication skills. A for attention and working memory skills. How do we attend to what it is that needs to be attended to? Cognitive flexibility, being able to consider different ideas. Emotion and self-regulation skills is the E, and the S is social thinking skills. So that laces, which summarizes the skills that are, are described in terms of what are those skill gaps when it's underlying principle of, of, of collaborative problem solving is it's a matter of skill, not will. Closing the skill gaps. So when we have done an internal transition and cleaned our energy, having it come with love, there's a compassion. We've done the compassion for ourselves. We can have some sort of compassion for our child. Like, oh my goodness, this Oh yeah, he's only been on, or she's only been on the earth for so many years. It's hard enough for adults to know how to communicate these kinds of hard things well. It's hard enough for us. Of course it's hard for them. Let me be here in a way that helps them build and be the practice arena for them to learn the skills that we want them to have so they're set up for life. I feel like that's a really helpful acronym. Um, it it makes kind of a complex topic easier to remember and very tangible. Yes, very tangible. You know, in the heat of the moment, you can kind of go through that without having to remember lots of big words. You know, you just have to remember the one word. Um, so I could see that being very very helpful. Um, now, as we wrap up, is there? Anything that you would like to leave your listeners with as your closing topic? Well, um, I am not sure. This is such a, a involved process. I've, I've done series of workshops where we spend hours upon hours on plan B. So this is just a taste of it, that cleaning ourselves, taking care of ourselves, being in adult settings in order to process our own feelings for whatever is going on in our world, in the world. Doing that work outside of the moments with our children so that in the moments, it's not going to be as hard to do that internal transitioning that lets us come from heart to heart. And know that yes, let them let them get reactive with me, um, so that I can be the training ground. I can say, so I want to understand what you're saying. Are are you saying X? So helping always circle back to the concern of the child, so they feel heard. Restating it. So what you're saying is you're concerned about X so that they can get out of the reactive mode because they have felt seen and heard. So that it, knowing that this is an iterative process, don't necessarily, and in fact, we don't even want it to be easy because 
we learn with repetition. We learn with frequent short bursts of exposure and experience. That's a, another part of this whole process is knowing that how the brain works is frequent short bursts is the repetition is how we learn. So what I want to leave everybody with is the neutral facts, empathize, share, and problem solve is the basic outline. Is that NESP? Is that, is that the... Is that your oh, I, I, I've never done an acronym for that. I'm just kidding. Why? You just agree that that's pretty <laughs> funny. The other way to think about it is neutral, child's concerns, adult's concerns, brainstorming. That's the process. The language that we can use is complicated only if we make it complicated. It can be, I notice, I want to understand what's going on for you. And if I hear you right, so you get the child's concern that way, you help yourself say, are you ready to hear what my concern is? And only when they say yes, you then say, my concern is X. Mm -hmm.